0: No. Of course, your health is serious. The reason I did this was to make people take the right things seriously and give you tools to see what you know isn't going to help you. A lot of people stand to profit off you taking the wrong things really seriously. So I'm just trying to cut through those narratives. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the show. Today's podcast episode is going to be a coaching call. And I put up a poll on Instagram asking if people would be willing to do a free nutrition consult. And in turn, I would be able to put it on the podcast. And my friend Kelsey reached out. We were best friends all through growing up, all through school. And I knew that she would be patient with me. And she's one of the most easygoing, kindest people I know. So this is her nutrition coaching call. I'm so excited to have her on the show. And if you guys like things like this, please, please let me know because I will do more of them. But without further ado, here is our call. We are on with Kelsey and Kelsey is one of my best friends like all through school. And when I put this out on Instagram and she responded and I knew that with my technologically challenged ass that she would be the most patient person that I could do this with. So I immediately wanted to do it with her. And she was kind enough to accept. So hello, Kelsey. Hi. I'm Thanks so excited. Having to me. Of course, of course. So basically, tell me about your goals. And if this call went kind of exactly the way you wanted it to, and at the end you had something, what would that be?
1: So I think my goal would just be to like learn the skills that I don't have. I know I told you like my goal was, to lose some weight. And I think my goal would just be to have the skills to know how to do that on my own. So
0: (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. So you're kind of prepared to do the work. You just don't know what exact work is going to be the best Mm -hmm. way to get there. Absolutely. Cool. And then you also said that you do want to put on a little bit of muscle. That's more of a Mm long-term goal for you. I want you to tell me a little bit about that. Are you trying to be stronger? Are you trying to look stronger? Are you trying to do a little bit of both? I would definitely
1: say a little bit of both.
0: Awesome. Okay. And so right now, kind of tell me what you're doing and how many things have you tried? What worked about the things you tried? And tell me what really didn't work for you.
1: Yeah. Right now, I know we talked about this on the phone, but I do have a little bit of an injury. So... I have had to kind of cut back a little bit, but right now we're kind of just, so I say we're as in like me and my husband, because we kind of do our like gym stuff together. I kind of go to the gym like three to four times a week. And I also do physical therapy twice a week, which I never knew physical therapy was like a workout. (laughs) <laughs> but I leave there like dripping sweat. Yeah, we kind of just go to the gym like three or four times a week, do a warm up, either the bike or the treadmill. And then we'll do a lot of like strength building, like machines and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So tell me more about the dieting sides. I know
0: when you kind of submitted all this, you said that you specifically gave the biggest shots to keto and Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to tell me a little bit about those. And let's start with keto.
1: So, keto, I tried first. A girl that I worked with was doing it and she like lost so much weight doing it and i was like well i guess i'll give it a shot you know i'm a very picky eater so i feel like that <laughs> i kind of set myself up for a failure a little bit just because i am so picky but i just felt very restricted especially with my job i was out of the office for like the entire day so like i would go to the office but my job was like home based so i had to go to people's houses i was driving and i felt like there wasn't many options for me, like snack-wise like I obviously couldn't have like a full meal as I'm driving I my go-to meal was just like baby carrots so I just felt like I- That sounds I so I t- satisfying. <laughs> oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> and I think I even told my husband, I was like, I'm literally not eating enough. So like it just wasn't working and it just felt restrictive. I couldn't eat certain things. And it was just like, why can't I eat? Like, I'm trying to think of something like healthy that I couldn't eat, that I was like, I couldn't eat apples. And I was like, why can't oh, I no. eat apples or like a banana? Like, so <laughs> it was just like- annoying to me and then I just literally think I was eating like 500 calories a day like I wasn't getting enough food and I was like this isn't healthy
0: yeah, of course. And I think that's with keto. It's sort of one of the red flags for people. It's like, okay, so like I can eat bacon right now, but I can't eat grapes. And it's yeah. like when that logic starts to come too much to the forefront, of any sort of plan, it's sort of a red flag, but it's promising, right? Like you saw your friend lose all this weight and mm-hmm. you're kind of like, of course you want that too. It's totally human. I think that we can ignore those red flags. It's like relationship <laughs> style. Like we're like, nah, it'll be fine. But that makes a ton of sense especially because you are married, you have two dogs, you have a life, you have a job, you Mm -hmm. are going to be out and about. You don't have time to make your perfectly keto meals a hundred times a day. So of course Mm -hmm. you're not eating enough. But then after that, you transitioned into Weight Watchers. And can you tell me about that and what the
1: timeline was like between those two? So keto was probably early 2020 and that lasted like four months, I think. And I was miserable. (laughs) And then I want to say Weight Watchers, I tried probably two-ish months. Okay. And you said before when we talked briefly that you liked that a little bit better. And can Mm -hmm. you kind of tell me why and what you liked about it? I think I liked it just because I could eat whatever I wanted. I could eat bananas and apples. (laughs) Like, God forbid. Yeah. And it just felt like there wasn't, it wasn't like I couldn't eat certain foods. Like, certain foods were just more points, which was understandable. But it wasn't like you can't eat that food. That food is forbidden. Right. I liked that having the ability to eat what I wanted. No, okay. Bananas aren't bad for you. Like, you should be able to eat a banana if you want one. I think I just liked it because I didn't feel as restricted. Yeah, absolutely. For
0: anybody listening, that doesn't know what Weight Watchers is
1: it's basically
0: assigning and Kelsey correct me if I'm wrong it's basically assigning point values to foods and then mm-hmm. really like whole foods like vegetables and fruits a lot of times are zero points if yep. I understand
1: understanding correctly yeah so Weight Watchers changed the way they have like three tiers now so it's like three different colors and each color you take a quiz based on your lifestyle of the foods that you eat and it assigns you to a color and so each color has more points available or some have less and then some have I know my one of my friends did it. And like chicken was zero points for me, but it wasn't for her. Right. And it is because
0: you were assigned like the active plan, correct? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So it's basically just kind of adding up the points throughout the day and you try to stand under a certain limit.
1: Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Did you like the sort of almost game of that, of trying to add up the points and kind of being able to fit these things in as long as Mm -hmm. you worked around them?
1: Yeah. I like maybe the control aspect of it, like knowing, okay, this is all, I know how many points this is. And I had my friend doing it too. At the same time, she would text me all the time. Like, oh, I only have this many points left. So it kind of kept me accountable. And I was like, okay, I can't screw up because she's holding me accountable. I'm very I I don't think it was like a a competitive thing, but I am very competitive and I feel like being able to fit everything I was eating into those set points was like, all right, I accomplished that for the day kind of thing. Right, right. I love that. Now let's briefly talk about what
0: would happen kind of emotionally and mentally. Mm -hmm. Say you did not hit your points. What kind of reaction do you tend to have? Because I think for some people it's very whatever. like, And Mm -hmm. it sounds like you really commit to things. You like the game of it. You like not even being competitive with your friend, but you like that there's someone right beside you running the race that you have to keep a pace with. And Mm -hmm. tell me when that didn't happen, was it an emotional reaction? Was your reaction to restrict more the next
1: day? Was it kind of like a screw it mentality? Tell me a little bit more about that. So like I said, I think I had 16 points a day. If I ended at like 17, I was like, right, well, the day's over i might as well have ice cream like i already screwed up but then i'm also very positive and just the fact that like well tomorrow's a new day i start at zero points tomorrow and i can just make sure i make a better choice tomorrow it wasn't like a i didn't like get down on myself too bad about it but it was kind of like a well i already messed up so i might as well have ice cream kind of thing Yeah, yeah, of course. It's kind of important
0: that you know it only lasted until Mm -hmm. that night and you did start fresh the new day. So that's, I mean, you're already ahead of the game there. It's totally normal to have like the screw up mentality at night and be like, whatever, I'm eating ice cream, like who gives a shit? That is totally normal. But we also want to get you to a point where you're a little bit more flexible so that we can avoid that mindset. However, I have to say that you having the fresh start the next day, that's such a valuable skill in nutrition because nutrition is incredibly frustrating if you're Mm -hmm. really... (laughs) really emotionally invested in it. Obviously like the scale might fluctuate or maybe like you're bloated one day, you're getting your period, whatever it is. And if we're focusing on that minutia, we can get kind of in our own heads. I did again, me and Kelsey talked very briefly before this call started and you are not really scale oriented. You don't get emotional about the scale. And can you tell me the story that you told me about why you (laughs) got a scale in the first place?
1: Yeah. So I have two dogs and one of them, he was Like, six months at this time. And it took, I'm not kidding, it took a year to potty train this dog. Like, I don't know why. One of my dogs will ring bells when she has to go outside. And the other dog, we literally could not potty train. And he pooped in the house. And there was, like, a worm in his poop. So we were freaking out. And we were like, oh, my God, my dog has worms. It was very specific to their weight, and like I said, he was a puppy. So the last time he had gone to the vet, he was like twenty pounds. So we were like, we had no idea how much he weighed at this point. So we had to go to Target and buy a scale so that we could weigh ourselves and then weigh the dog. So that is literally the only reason I have a scale. That is hilarious. <laughs> so you're not super
0: attached to the numbers. You're not a person that like changes no. your day based on what you weigh. That's amazing. And you're already like ten steps ahead of most people in that sense. <laughs> so I think that that mindset might be a good one for you to keep. You're not trying to be like this crazy competitive, like bikini competitor or something like that. I think it might be good because you do have just a little bit of that mindset of like, Oh no, it's ruined stay off the scale as much as you can. And what I do with my clients is I say to either weigh yourself every single day or weigh yourself like once every two months, Mm -hmm. those fluctuations, people tend to weigh themselves once a week for some reason. But if that once a week, like you had Chinese food the night before, and you haven't gone to the bathroom yet. And like, maybe you're getting your period, you could be up almost 10 pounds, even if you're Mm -hmm. not a gigantic person. And then people are like, Oh, it's not working, like screw it. Whereas if you do it daily, you can take those daily averaging trends. And it makes it a little easier. But if daily is too much emotionally, I would just push it out. And for you where you're not concerned with it, I would not concern yourself with it. (laughs) So that's amazing. Okay. When you kind of go into fuck it mode, are you a person that will kind of do like the everything thing or you just have kind of just the ice cream and you're like whatever and you're over it and you go to bed?
1: Yeah. We love ice cream. Like my day isn't over without ice cream. So that's you should have ice cream. Yeah, that's like the main unhealthy thing that we eat. But I did try to make some changes. I got like the Yasso Greek yogurt bars. I was like, you know what? They're a little healthier. Of course, now it's summer and our favorite ice cream place is open.
0: (laughs) So here's what I'm thinking from what you've told me so far. I think that a loose tracking might be really good for you. Mm -hmm. I have clients that don't track at all, and I have clients all the way on the other end of the spectrum that track carbs, protein, fat, their fiber, every single aspect of their nutrition. If like you know you're more competitive, but a lot of people. People fall in the middle of that spectrum, right? Like you work out, you play tennis with your husband when you <laughs> feel better, and <laughs> you you know have an active life, but this isn't priority number one, you know. Mm-hmm. So if we can kind of get you on the spectrum where just like Weight Watchers, you do have that flexibility, you do have the end goal, you do have the quantitative measure. I think that might be a little bit more realistic. What you can do with this is you can plug ice cream in at the beginning mm-hmm. of the day, and it's already done. You're having ice cream later, and now you can plan your rest of the day around it. And I think that can be really helpful because we also get less caught up on the things we really like when we're allowed to have them. And it doesn't to me sound like agonizing over this ice cream every single night. That's not what it seems (laughs) like. It does seem like you have to kind of fit in in order to make your day work. And I think if we did a calorie goal and a protein target, and then let carbs and fats kind of fall where they may within that, that would probably be the best thing for you. I did this out right before our call after I got kind of your basic information. And I think you should be in a range. All that means is people kind of do training day and rest day macros. I don't necessarily agree with that for performance measures. However, I do agree with it in a sense that some days we can be a little bit lower if say we're like, either we're running around all day, we're busy or whatever. And then some days we might need to be higher. Maybe you have a social event, maybe you're going out for ice cream with your husband, whatever it is, you should be able to live your life. And all that does is because there's a range Some days you're going to be closer to a deficit, and some days you're going to be closer to maintenance. And so maybe you eat closer to that higher range all week. You know, you may not make as much progress that week, but you're still not falling out of the point system, like Mm -hmm. per se. So, what I'm thinking is, a 1900 to 2200 calorie range. And then within that, each macro is worth a certain amount of calories. So it automatically sort of adds up when you give a carb, a protein, and a fat. However, we're just going to do a protein, and your protein target is going to be right around 133. Aiming for just about that and then letting your carbs and fats fall, all we really have to do at that point is make sure we're hitting like the minimums. So you don't want to be eating like 20 grams of fat because you are female, you do want to support your hormones. But as long as you're in, you know, 50 plus of fats, and you're at least above 100 grams of carbs every day, those can fluctuate quite a bit. And you're still going to reach your goal because calories in calories out. We just have to support the other things along the way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, cool. So I think that that could be a good way for you to kind of play the game. And I would actually call your friend after this and get her on board too, because it might be a good thing for you. A lot of people do really well with that accountability and having yeah. someone else sort of along the way with them. And if she needs her calories and protein done, please tell her to send her information through to me and I'll do hers as well. So you guys can do it together. <laughs> cool. My Fitness Pal is fairly easy to use. I suggest it to anybody new. The the only problem with my fitness pal is that a lot of the entries are user made. So before you plug everything in, like make sure it doesn't say like that chicken has like 200 grams of sugar or something. Like sometimes people put crazy things in there. Once you kind of get used to it, just like double check a few things okay. and you should be good. It's called chronometer is the other one I suggest. And that one goes a little bit more in depth to like micronutrients and things like that. I know that you are planning on having a family within, you know, the next year or two. So that might be something that's really useful, especially to your doctors when picking a prenatal and those really important things that we really do need to keep track of. If that's something you plan to do, I would just start with that one because it might be easier to get used to. Cool. Cool. Beautiful. I want to talk briefly. You mentioned when you came off birth control, your life got infinitely better. (laughs) (laughs) And so I want you to tell me going on birth control to coming off, give me a brief overview of how that went with your weight and how you felt and your energy and all of that stuff.
1: I went on birth control when I was 17. And I was a very active Heather knows we played sports together literally since fourth grade. So (laughs) I feel like I was a very like healthy 17 year old when I went on birth control. I feel like it was just a consistent I gained 10 pounds every year. And it was so hard to lose it. I don't think I did. I don't think I've lost a single pound in like the last seven or eight years since I've been on birth control. Especially last summer, it got really frustrating just because, like I said, we were playing tennis every single night i i don't know how accurate like apple watches are with tracking like calories and all that but if we play tennis we play for like an hour and a half and i would lose burn like eight or nine hundred calories there was a zero percent chance that i wasn't in a calorie deficit and i literally could not lose anything and it was so frustrating and now since going off i feel like i've felt so much better internally mentally felt better I have weighed myself a few times since coming off, and it's like consistently dropping like a pound or two a week. Yeah, no. So, I mean, obviously, you have your source, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially some people, it's a little bit
0: more ambiguous and they don't really know if birth control is contributing. For you, that's not the case. This is very clearly a defining factor. Mm-hmm. And with birth control, it's very interesting to talk about calories and hormones, right? And there's a lot of people out there that will say, like, it's just calories that matter. And then there's a lot of people out there that are saying, like, just hormones matter. And like, there's like the insulin diet. From what I've gathered, research um, anecdotal working with clients is that it's just influential. What will happen is your hormones make your body function, right? It carries out functions in your body. Your body's metabolism is based on those functions and how many calories they quote unquote cost to carry out. So your brain, your brain costs a lot of calories to operate. There's some crazy statistic, chess players burn like 5,000 calories in a tournament or something, and they're just sitting, right? Those are the things we don't think about it. We just think about, you know, physical activity Mm -hmm. versus how much we're eating. And that's kind of the end of it. When you go on birth control, these functions change because your hormones are now synthetic. They're not your original hormones. That's a big disconnect that I think a lot of people maybe don't know about. When you have synthetic hormones, they're going to carry out things a little bit differently. And they're meant to mimic the hormones that your body actually makes, but it's also designed to prevent ovulation. That's how birth control works. Ovulation just in itself, that costs calories to carry out, right? So that's gone. Now we don't use those calories. Your energy, you don't have as much energy. Now you're not fidgeting. All of these things just add up. And like you said, like 10 pounds in a year, that's not that hard to accumulate when all of these things are just slowly adding up. It's not like you gained 50 pounds in a year and then it's been steady since. It's been this steady increase. And now coming off, it's been a steady decrease as Mm -hmm. those hormones kick back in, and you know, your functions become more normal and you settle into that. My opinion on that is you've already done the right thing by kind of coming off birth control. And it sounds to me like you are doing all the things that I would suggest to someone coming off birth control already, you're exercising regularly, you are eating healthy, you're doing these things, you're getting enough sleep. And that's what kind of puts our body back on track. I honestly don't have too much to pick out there because I think you are doing all the right things. However, when you do decide that, you know, okay, either I am pregnant or I am about to get pregnant and immediate, that might be something that you want to go get some sort of blood panel done just to kind of double check those things. When we go on birth control young, you waited till 17, that's actually... really, really good in the grand scheme, considering girls are on at like 12 now. But your body has to learn how to have a hormonal profile before we fuck with it too much. The problem that we see a lot of the times is that we go on birth control right in the middle of that. So your body has to resettle in. Because you're a little bit older, you probably came off it a little bit easier. That's nothing but a good thing. You're probably going to get pregnant easier. You're probably not going to feel the really bad downsides of coming off that some women report. However, I would keep a really big eye on it. And if you do do any sort of hormonal anything in the future, just kind of be aware that this is something that fucks with you, right? It's not yeah. just going to be whatever. This is also when women really try to get pregnant and they can't, they start fucking with their hormones quite a bit. I think you will have no problem getting pregnant. Your, your skin is glowing. Your hair is glowing. You look very fertile to <laughs> me. But <laughs> that being said, it is something to be aware of. And like I said, you did a lot of the right things, but I think that's really good for people to hear because the calories in versus calories out argument. Yes, it's correct. But okay, so if now my calorie output is way lower how much harder is it to get into a calorie deficit? Way harder, obviously. If you're only burning through 1,000 calories a day and you're eating 1,500, yes, you technically should be in a deficit. But if there's other things going on in your Mm -hmm. body that are lowering that output, of course, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Like This isn't working. So you had the variable that you knew what was going on. So if that ever becomes an issue again, please obviously let me know. But it sounds like the weight loss that you're now experiencing has been steady. Do you feel that it's continuing to be steady or do you feel it's evened out?
1: I've only been off for like two months. Okay. And so I feel like I've been just doing my thing. I haven't really changed like any of our habits, and it's just like a steady one to two pounds a week. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful, yeah. Okay, so perfect. That's another reason when I did your deficit and I calculated it out, I took in a lot of the things, not just like your height and your weight. We took in a lot of these things into account, and. I think that you're actually going to lose weight on much higher calories than you may think now, because even if you're in a slight deficit from this, the deficit that you've kind of created, just getting back into your normal habits off of birth control is clearly already burning some off. So that's amazing. The other thing I wanted to talk about briefly is fiber. I know that you said you have not tracked fiber before correctly. No, You have not. The reason that I implement a fiber goal for almost every single client I work with is that fiber is a carrier. So fiber basically takes anything excess and it gets it out of our body. With women, especially, we see excess estrogen and things like that. Fiber is going to take it out of floating around your body and excrete it. If we can maintain a really solid fiber goal, we're going to make sure that we're grabbing those extra things and pushing them out. I typically try to do about 15 grams of fiber for every 1000 calories you eat. So I would say that between 25 and 30 grams of fiber for you is going to be spot on. However, if you track for like a week, and you just kind of see where you're at without trying too hard, and you're at like 10 or something really, really low, work up to it, because people will all of a sudden go from eight grams of fiber a day to 58 grams a day. And that day spent in the bathroom and it's not so fun. So (laughs) ease into it, then try to keep it right around that area. We don't want to too much because then it's going to carry too many things out and it'll start to grab onto good things. We need that nice balance. And I think that's going to be even just better for what you're already experiencing and is going to support it even further. Do you have any questions about anything we've talked about so far? I don't think so. No? You're like the easiest no. client I think I've ever worked with a man.' <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> now I want to talk a little bit about your muscle gain goal because, you know, mm-hmm. we hear it all the time that you can't lose fat and gain muscle at the same time and it's impossible and all of these things. I agree to an extent. This is kind of what I think about this. People that are well-trained, they're not going to lose a massive amount of fat and gain a massive amount of muscle at the same time. Your body's already adapted to that stimulus. It's not going to be like when you first start working out and those things can kind of happen simultaneously. However, it's also not this weeks and weeks on end thing where your body is only losing fat or only gaining muscle. People do it that way to ensure that they're in phases and that they're getting to their goals and they'll bulk a little bit and then they'll go into a cutting phase and they go back and forth. For most people, I don't really see the back and forth being necessary. Most clients that come to me, they want to lose a little bit of fat. And once they do that, they want to put on a little bit of muscle on. That's, it's not anything extreme. If you're a bodybuilder, yes, you need phases. If you're going to be an elite athlete, yes, you need phases. I think this calorie range is going to put you back and forth. It's much slower. And that's why it's not as attractive. In order to build muscle, we need excess calories, right? And then in order to lose fat, we need a deficit in calories. And that's why they don't work at the same time. What tends to happen is people will try to eat right around maintenance. And they're like, oh, well, I can kind of do both. I can go back and forth. They're not wrong, but they're not patient enough in general most people are not walking around counting every single calorie they eat diving in at the gym as hard as they can and all of these different things the average person doesn't count their calories tries to eat healthy and all of a sudden they're recompositioning meaning they're gaining muscle and they're losing fat it's just very slow and so if you're eating in a slight deficit some days you're eating slightly above some days and you're kind of continuously going to the gym those things can happen because you're not an impatient person I would actually recommend that over going into a wicked severe deficit and then trying to do a bulking phase after and trying to control all the variables eating in this calorie range is going to fluctuate your body being anabolic and catabolic, AKA a building or a cutting. That's it. It doesn't have to be that complicated. I would use your patients to your advantage in this case with muscle I tend to say it's use it or lose it. If you are eating adequate protein and you are training those muscles with resistance, any machines, the things you already said you do, you're going to keep that muscle. If you don't, you will eventually lose it. It's a slow process, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. I think the best possible thing you can do is to continue training exactly how you're training, trying to build that muscle and all of that while being in a slight deficit to maintenance. And you're gonna see those things kind of happen all on their own. I just rambled a lot. Did any of that make sense? Yes. Kind of. Be patient. <laughs> do you any questions? I don't think so. <laughs> no? Oh my God, you're so easy. All right. So before we kind of do like a brief overview, is there anything that I didn't touch on that you feel is an obstacle for you or is maybe something that you see getting in the way of the things we've talked about?
1: I think right now just my biggest obstacle is my knee. <laughs> Right. Um, And tell me a little bit more about that injury and where you're at in the recovery process right now. Well, we think it happened last summer. Like I said, I'm very competitive. Um, (laughs) And me and my husband were playing tennis literally every single night and he likes to do cheap shots. (laughs) Shout out to Gage. Poor Gage is being trashed on the podcast. He hasn't even listened to the poor thing. (laughs) Yeah. And so he would like hit it to the back corner, so I'd sprint over there, and then hit it back, and he'd hit it like right over the net to the opposite corner. He had me doing legit suicides on the tennis court. There was one time, I think I stepped the wrong way. My knee, I don't know what happened. I just worked it up to like, okay, I played soccer for 15 years. My knees are trash anyway. So I was like, all right, it's fine. And then for the last year (laughs) it's just been progressively getting worse and worse to the point where we were working out like every day but like I wouldn't be able to walk the next day because my knee would hurt so bad I finally like called my orthopedic and he I've been doing physical therapy twice a week for the last month and a half and I go next month for an MRI to see if I will need surgery or not oh my god
0: Kelsey yeah. That is the worst. Oh my God. I think doing what you're doing to an extent is great. <laughs> I would advise you to stay off of it and any contractions surrounding that area yeah. are probably gonna leave you worse off than they're gonna help you. Yeah. I think Luckily, you know that.
1: <laughs> I have a really good physical therapist and he's been giving me like really good workouts because my hip is now messed up too because I've right. been favoring my other knee so right and now
0: you're compensating and
1: it's yeah, yeah it's a mess so oh, a lot of like core strengthening and stuff like that so i'm doing a little better but frustrating
0: yes very frustrating i think for you your physical therapist is obviously going to know best if he's giving you workouts that's amazing that's perfect you mm-hmm. should definitely be doing those and as far as everything else in your body, do seated presses, do (laughs) bench press, do, you know, like things that you are not moving dynamically are probably going to be your best friend. Mm -hmm. I am going to say something that's going to piss a lot of people off. Cardio might not be your best friend right now. That's okay. It's not going to massively ruin all of your progress or anything like that. With cardio, people kind of see it as like the fat loss like supplement Holy Grail, unfortunately, cardio can actually end up being the opposite because when you're doing cardio, yes, maybe you burn two to 500 calories and that's great. But after that, you don't burn anything from that work you've done you may even be hungrier because it stimulates hunger hormones. Mm -hmm. With weight training, you're building muscle and muscle, like we said, costs for calories way more than it does to support fat. So if you have a pound of muscle, it might cost your body 200 calories a day, whereas a pound of fat costs you next to nothing. If we can continue to build that muscle, it's probably gonna serve you better and you'll be able to walk the next day, which is always a bonus.
1: Yeah, no, I haven't ran, I think probably in a year. Like I- Would, I could probably do like a thirty minute mile right now if you timed me. but oh so I've God. been just like walking at an incline, but now I've switched to the bike just to do get you know, like the range of motion stuff, yeah.
0: And when you find that you're doing cardio, is it the extension? Like when your leg is fully straight, is that
1: where it hurts? Or is it the contraction? Like when you bend back and push? yeah, the bending bend back and push and then the putting like the weight on it, sometimes going upstairs is like impossible. So it's a lot of like the bending and then putting the pressure on it if it's bent, right? So even the bike may
0: get a little rough at some point. Mm -hmm. I'm not your physical therapist. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But if that's bothering you really, really badly, what I would suggest is, I mean, CrossFit built an entire brand off of cardio weightlifting. Mm -hmm. It might be more beneficial for you to do supersets or things like that, that get your heart rate up a little bit, Mm -hmm. but aren't going to leave you like dying the next day. So maybe if you're doing whatever, like basic bodybuilding, you're doing like presses, you're doing bicep curls and you're doing tricep extensions doing 10, 10 and 10 all in a row and then resting and going through the three movements, whatever, three or four times, that might be a little bit more beneficial with like one minute of rest in between each three movements. You do the three movements and then you rest for one minute and then you do it again. That might be a little bit more beneficial than trying to push through a bike. If you do still want to get your heart rate up and all of that and ask your physical therapist, but if the bike does begin to bother you, the second that happens, just cut it mm-hmm. off because it's not going to be worth what you go through. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. Injuries are are brutal. I think you're very impressive already in the fact that you are not over it and done and out because it can be that way. So if you ever need anything with that, please obviously let me know. Yeah. All right. So anything else? I don't think so. All right. So here's what I kind of have as an overview for what I would have you get started with. I think that loose tracking is going to be amazing for you, for your goals, for your mindset. I think it kind of checks all the boxes that you need to stay interested, but also get results without feeling like you're going to die or that you can't eat a banana. So (laughs) that calorie range, 1900 to 2200 calories, somewhere in that range every single day. And it doesn't have to be the days you're more active, you eat more, it can be the days you're busier, you eat a little bit less. However, your hunger tends to structure, follow that just be aware when you're up a little bit higher you're not going to maybe lose as much weight that week. If you're a little bit lower, you maybe might lose a little bit more that week. If it gets to be that you're losing more than two pounds a week, I would scale that up a little bit and you can reach out to me and we can readjust because you're already losing a fair amount of weight. What I don't want to do is overshoot the mark and then your body adjusts to lower calories than it needs to because we Mm -hmm. want you to eat as much as possible while still reaching your goal. After that, 25 to 30 grams of fiber and working up to it slowly. If you find that you track for a week and you're like, oh, like I'm nowhere near this. I have a ton of information on fiber, so I can send that over to you with um, different foods that are good to eat with that as well. But that's just going to help your hormone support that you are already seeming to come out of in a great way. We just want to give it even more support. That will kind of be the second on the hierarchy. For the last thing I have kind of written out overall is your muscle mass. So use it or lose it within reason. So you are injured, unfortunately. But we want to capitalize on as much muscle as possible. So we're always burning as many calories as we can within our own body. And we're not unable to work the next day. And (laughs) you also do want to have that nice muscle base when you do lean out even a little bit more. And I see that a lot where people will just go full blown, they'll eat 1000 calories a day, they don't weight train, nothing like that. And then they cut down and there's nothing really underneath that's giving them the shape they want. I think you're already on a great path to that. And after your injury is kind of a little bit more taken care of, you come out of physical therapy, we can chat again about different things that might be aesthetically the best things to train for you. But right now, just focusing on the things that don't leave you in pain, but are fun to do and you're gonna continuously do and aren't you're dreading going to the gym every single night. Maybe lay off the tennis for just a little bit. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, we haven't played and we tried to play like a couple weeks ago and I I was like, "Sorry, buddy, we got to go home." And I'm so competitive. It made me so mad that I had to like take the L and go home.
0: <laughs> I like at the beginning of the interview, you're like, "I'm not like crazy
1: competitive." I just like, I don't know, I'm a little competitive. Now it's yeah, like, I "Yeah, I want to
0: like rip Gage's head off." <laughs>
1: Oh my god, we get so mad at each other when we play tennis. Because he beats me that. every time and it's so annoying. It's so frustrating. I, too, have a boyfriend that's slightly more athletic mm. than I am. That Gage is the exact same way. He's good at everything he does. Like, I played tennis in high school. Like, I was mediocre at best. He just gets out there, picks up a tennis racket for the first time, and he's, like, creaming me. I was like, what the heck is going on? So frustrating. It's the yeah. most frustrating thing in the world. You can't
0: pick up a new hobby. Like, you have to no. practice for three months before you bring them into it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> god, we're on the same page there. Oh my God. Um, Does this sound like you have a direction, like you have some strategies, like Mm -hmm. you have sort of at least a starting point? Yeah, definitely. Is there anything that you feel might be missing from this that you need help with? Like maybe your sleep or maybe lifestyle like dress or anything in general like that? I mean, sleep is kind of, might be a weak point, but. (laughs) Okay. And how many hours do you tend to get a night?
1: Depends. Three days a week, I work at Honeydew and I get up at 3.30 in the morning. The other two days, my dog wakes me up at 3 a.m. The same puppy that can't be potty trained also can't be crate trained. (laughs) I feel like I probably average, I try to go to bed early. I'm like a grandma. It's like eight o'clock and I'm like, all right, my night is over. (laughs) I feel like I try to get at least seven, but that's
0: not bad. That's not bad at all. Okay. For you, what I might suggest is and I make all my clients do this. I'm so annoying about it. I always suggest having some sort of routine, but it doesn't have to be. Extensive, so I too get up at at the three hours of the day to go open the gym, right? Mm-hmm. And I get up later than you. I'm three fifty, and I actually get out of bed closer to like four ten. So you know, <laughs> but I had a great morning routine for the days that I did not open the gym. Yeah, on the days I did open the gym, like brushing my teeth, huge accomplishment. Like it was great. It was such an imbalance, and I found that because I wasn't doing any sort of routine, I felt tired for so much longer after mm-hmm. waking up. And so, if you can find or three like anchor style things it can be things you already do brushing your teeth washing your face taking the dog out do them in the same order every single day Mm -hmm. and humans are dumber than we think and we can capitalize on that so if our brain knows okay i wash my face i brush my teeth i take the dog out that is when i wake up is those order of things it's going to trick you into waking up and it's almost like when you go into the bathroom and you really had to pee but all of a sudden you get into the bathroom and you're like about to wet your pants because you're (laughs) conditioned that's where you go to the bathroom because we're dumb so you can do the same thing at night and people do this with smells a lot which I haven't personally tried but I've heard it's amazing people will spray like lavender on their pillow or they'll do things like that and all that's doing is tricking your body into a signal and the signal is it's time to go to sleep it's time to wake up even if you can't do you know you sit for 10 minutes and you meditate like you don't have to do that in order to reap the benefits of course if you can have an extensive morning routine people swear by it. I swear by it when I can do it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's not always going to be realistic. We have to stick with what's realistic in order to sustain it. Pick two or three things that are the same exact order at night and in the morning. That's just going to improve the quality of your sleep so that even on the days that maybe you're a little bit below that seven hour average, at least your quality is still really good. And you're falling asleep faster. You're waking up easier. It's also like less miserable overall too. Yeah. All right anything else I think so no all right so i'm gonna send you this information that we went over and i appreciate you coming on this call yeah. so much you're such a good sport i had a <laughs> hell of a time getting this zoom meeting up so i really appreciate it and we're gonna end the meeting here cool <laughs>